0: Hello listeners, it's Rebecca McCallum here, Assistant Editor at Girls Magazine and Senior Contributor at Moving Pictures Film Club and I'm excited to share the news with you that I have launched a new podcast called Talking Hitchcock which explores the world and the work of the director. Each episode, I invite you to join me and special guests in my screening room to dissect one of Hitchcock's films, or to post show drinks for topic-led discussions on everything connected to the Hitchcockian universe. You can listen to Talking Hitchcock on all podcasting streaming services, including Apple and Spotify, and find us over on Twitter at hitch underscore pod and instagram at talking hitch pod. you can find and follow me on socials at pendle pumpkin and i look forward to you joining me soon take care and keep talking hitchcock
1: and welcome back to the pod and the pendulum the show that covers all horror movie franchises one movie in one episode at a time i'm your host mike snoonian and i am out of the box and i am here with our co-host today joining us once again the expert on all things in this subgenre kind of guiding me through this a little bit welcome back ariel powers shab ariel how are we
2: I'm doing great. Super glad we didn't get collected and that we get to talk about this
1: movie. Yeah, this should be a fun one to talk about for listeners that didn't see the title when you clicked play on the episode. We are here (laughs) to talk about 2012's The Collection, the follow-up to 2009's Collector. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess let's start before we kind of dive into a little bit of the background of the movie. Let's talk about our initial thoughts on this one. So, Ariel, like what were your first impressions of the collection when you saw it?
2: Yeah. Um. So I saw it only a few years ago for the first time. And I found it when I was looking for the collector. I was searching for it on Amazon Prime. And the collection came up and I was like, oh, hello, what is this? So I decided to watch them back to back, which I think is a really good way to do it. Because the collection picks up, you don't realize it at first, but it picks up right after the first one. Um, And so my first thoughts about this movie were that it is so much fun. It is just, especially after the bleak ending of the first one. This one gives you some stuff to cheer for. It gives you some silly characters. It's just a lot more like, um, you know, the first one, not to say it's realistic, but it's sort of like bleak. Grim. And it's not escapist, you know, for most people, whereas the collection is just like silly escapism. So I think it's so much fun.
1: Is it as simple as saying it's the difference between the Bush years and the Obama years in some ways, because it, <laughs> it does feel like after the Bush years ended, a lot of that grim horror seemed to take a backseat. Maybe we'll talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit when we talk about the movie proper, but could it be chalked up to as simple as that?
2: Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I think that is a really important observation. Like, even though they're only a few years apart, you got to remember the collector went through a lot before it became a movie and so it kind of is before its time whereas the collection 2012 is a completely different time than the years before and you know under Obama things felt hopeful and the collection feels hopeful so I could see that
1: yeah I my first and oh you mentioned here the ending is a lot less of a bummer as well yes
2: very much so. The ending, um, you know, not. There's still deaths in this movie, of course. There's still sad stuff that happens. But the ending is a lot more celebratory with who gets put in the box mm-hmm. this time.
1: I was going to say, if you're the collector, it's a little bit less of a happy. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. I remember, like, this made its premiere at Fantastic Fest in 2012. And. That was, like, the first year that I went out to Fantastic Fest, and I didn't see it there, but I remember, like, being in, like, the draft house, kind of, like, lobby and waiting area, and hearing people talk about it and saying, like, this was really good, like, like not qualifying it as, like, no, it's, like, good compared to the collector. Like, mm-hmm. people legit really enjoyed it and were very much, like, surprised at how good Uh, the movie was. Um, So I just remember the early buzz about it being like super positive. I didn't actually watch this movie for the first time until we decided that we were going to cover these two movies. And I remember just like taking a sick day, you know, being under the blankets with like Mm -hmm. a can of ginger ale and like some (laughs) cold medicine and watching the collector and the collection back to back. And, like, stylistically, they do feel very similar in terms of, like, Mm -hmm. you can tell it's the same team that's behind the movie. But in terms of, like, the tone of the movie, it is a 180. It feels like a much different, almost a different subgenre. Like, it does feel a lot less torture-porny than The Collector does.
2: Even though, like, the traps are... Like, there's way more deaths, and some of the traps are more ridiculous. It does feel more like a violent action movie than it does a torture porn film, and I think that has to do with just, like, where the focus is um, and what happens in between the deaths.
1: Yeah, and I think the ridiculousness of the traps, and we'll talk about that we talk about the movie, like, that definitely lends to the over-the-top kind of, like, Silly is the wrong word, and campy is the wrong word. Um, yeah. But the more kind of like loose feel to the movie overall, like the less oppressive feel because yes. it is so over the top. Like it's mustache. If there should be like a little zipper for the collector's mask where he can like pull out his mustache and just start twirling it at times. <laughs> um, yes. And I will say, after. Did we say this last week? Did we record? We no, we recorded the collector before I went away. I introduced my daughter to Pulp Fiction on the plane ride home because her phone, oh cool, her phone died, and my daughter is twelve, and I'm like, what an age to watch Quentin Tarantino. She'll get all the references right. She <laughs> loved it, and we landed. The plane landed like right before the infamous bring out the gimp scene. So okay. my daughter's like, what's gonna happen to Butch? Like, is he gonna die? I don't want him to die. I'm like, honey, you're not prepared. Like there's nothing that can prepare you. And re watching like the end of that movie again, I am firmly in the camp that pulp fiction breaks the time space continuum <laughs> and this is a it is a prequel to the collector and the collection.
2: I'm just gonna let you have it. I have to. I'm have not this even one. gonna argue.
1: Um, So on that note, like this movie, it feels like, and I mean this in an affectionate way, like it feels goofy at times. Yes. It is a, uh, it's a fun movie to watch. I, I'll ask you this. Like, do you think this movie is hurt by the fact that it's a sequel to The Collector? Like if this was just a standalone, you change nothing about the movie whatsoever. And it's a standalone movie. Would this movie be, regarded better or have been more successful at the box office
2: good question um you can watch it on its own you don't necessarily have to watch the collector first I do think it helps to watch the collector first so that you understand a little bit about like what's coming and it explains a little bit more about like the human like whatever he puts together later with body parts mm-hmm. so if you change nothing it might make people want a prequel or a sequel to explain a little bit more about the collector i'd love to talk to someone who has only seen this movie and not the collector and hear what they thought about it um i still think the violence in it is a lot for 2012 mm-hmm. Maybe it could come out today, because, like, I know um eventually we're going to talk about Evil Dead Rise, but, like, that's quite, there's quite a lot of violence in that, and, um, you know, I think since malignant-ish era, there's more room now in horror for some silliness. People mm-hmm. are, like, ready for that again. So... Maybe if it came out later when people were, like, more open to silly violence again, maybe it would have done better.
1: It is a little weird. You mentioned Evil Dead Rise. It is a little weird how, as horror fans, and I fall under this umbrella as well, where I will be, like, really accepting of, like, over-the-top gore and... Bloodshed and violence in a movie like Evil Dead Rise or the Evil Dead remake, like, I will cheer it on. I'm like, oh, that was, you know, the elevator getting filled with blood is fantastic. Like, what a cool set piece. But then something like The Collector, I'll be like, or like, I won't watch Wolf Creek. Um, oh. It's just one of those movies where I'm like, I don't need that movie in my life. Like, I know enough about it where I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. And it's kind of... And part of it is the tone, of course, like the way the Mm -hmm. violence is being presented. But at the end of the day, like we're all fans and we realize like it's just special effects. Like it's not really someone getting their spine ripped out. Why can't I appreciate the, you know, the artistry? Because that's what it is. It goes into an effect like that where I'm like, nope, just not for me.
2: I know for some people they have said the supernatural element makes them more accepting of violence, because it's another layer to your suspension of disbelief. Whereas something like Wolf Creek especially, which is based on an actual serial killer, a lot of people would draw the line at that because they don't want to think about the real harm that was done to real people. Even though the collector's not necessarily based on anyone real, there's no supernatural element to help with your suspension of disbelief. I think in the collection, some of the set pieces are so out of control that that helps with some suspension of this belief. And I hear a lot of people say they like this movie better than The Collector. That's not the case for me. I love them both, but I like The Collector a little bit better. Um, but I, I think just like back to your original question, the supernatural element helps some people make the difference between the kind of violence they are okay with seeing on screen.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, you're just one more step removed is what you're saying.
2: hmm Yes,
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the background of this movie. I just brought up like a few quick little points here. There's like not a ton that's on it, um, but around the time of its release and then uh, when it was coming back out on Blu-ray um Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton uh, they're back together again and I think we talked a lot more about them as a creative team on our collector episode but yes. they are like a true like how I would think of like Benson and Moorhead like two mm-hmm. gentlemen whose movies I absolutely love or uh, Jen and Sylvia Saska, like the Saska sisters mm-hmm. like Uh, creative team that are you know really attached together i don't think there's many projects they've done separately uh wingard and barrett would be another uh which i'm really excited that they've reunited for wingard's next king kong godzilla movie like i am very excited that's gonna be fun we should cover because it's tough godzilla is tough because there's so many you have to almost do a godzilla cast But I think we could do, like, the legendary pictures, Godzilla and Kong movies, and that would be just, like, four or five movies right there that we could do and call it a nice little um, collection of films right there.
2: That would be fun. So
1: getting into the Toho Godzilla would be, we'd have to do, it would be a year-long undertaking, and I'm not ready for that, so.
2: And some of them are harder to find, like. True, my husband has them on VHS, but we don't own a VCR, so, so like, <laughs> it doesn't help me. <laughs>
1: it doesn't do much for you. No. Yeah, and you can't, like, cut the VCR up and just, like, hold them out. and
2: <laughs> Like so, microfiche.
1: Yeah, it, can't, it doesn't work like that. So, <laughs> so on this, there's an interview on Collider uh, right as this movie was coming out where Dunstan talks about wanting to make a middle finger – to the first movie, which I found an interesting quote because the first movie is his movie and it's his like directing Mm -hmm. debut. But what he was really talking about was like talking about completely changing the expectations that audiences would have saying like, Mm -hmm. first movie is pretty hardcore, it's really bloody, it's really grim. And he wanted to kind of subvert that this time around and do something that was much more different in terms of its tone. He wanted to add a lot more action elements to it. And we should say that the first one isn't just a straightforward horror movie, like it's a heist movie mixed right. in with horror, which makes it a lot of fun um, or the fun bits of it a little bit more fun. I wouldn't call The Collector a a fun romp. A romp. But the, yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> joyous romp. Um, uh-huh. But there's a quote here when he talks about like the ending of the movie and the note of hope that it has. Where he says, it had to exist that this was the last time we see these characters and end it on a note of bloody satisfaction that you could walk away and be adrenalized. When the first movie came out, personally, the note of despair seemed the best way to go, where it was like... The world is dark and you really can't count on saving the day, which again, I think of like the Bush years and how Mm -hmm. coming out of 9-11 and the Iraq war and the collapse of the economy and everything feeling kind of like 2023 in a lot of ways. Like everything just feels awful and inevitable. Um, (laughs) He talks about the original ending of The Collector, where rather than Arkin being thrown in the box, Arkin would have The ambulance would have made its way to the hospital. The cops would have handcuffed him to the gurney, kind of like what we see here. And as he's handcuffed to the gurney, the collector would have probably out of costume because I don't think, although the visual of the collector and like a hospital (laughs) Johnny with just the mask is a pretty delicious visual. (laughs) That's Um, pretty good. He would have grabbed the little girl and made off with her while Uh, ark and had to watch in horror and to me that everybody basically said that's way too much like you can't end the movie with kidnapping a 10 year old girl and implying that she's going to be locked in a box somewhere like that's not what we're looking for
2: no and even other movies of the time didn't really do that like you might see children die but in other torture porn movies you didn't often see children like kidnapped and tortured right because even like, even jigsaw didn't yeah, do
1: that even in saw 2 like the little kid is let out and the dad mm-hmm. is the one that's imprisoned right if i remember that correctly
2: yes okay
1: so yeah little kids getting off way too scot-free as far as i'm concerned but yeah, that's <laughs> that's just me um They were able to take advantage. It's filmed in the Atlanta, Georgia region. And filming takes place between the first couple seasons of The Walking Dead, like season one and two. So they were actually able to borrow most of the crew from The Walking Dead to work on this movie. Dunstan described it as like a diehardish sequel to Argento's Inferno, which is an interesting idea and you have the hotel being named argento which is a nice little
2: right tip.
1: um melton melton talks about wanting to blend genres and his own love of action movies they bring back uh, oh god i would say josh lucas but that's not it josh stewart josh stewart thank you it's yes. arkin because they really like the character and they really wanted to bring him back um They hire Emma Fitzpatrick in the role of Elena after they catch her in the social network, and they basically remark to each other, who is the girl who looked like Natalie Portman but with short hair? Which I would have been like, that's Natalie Portman. She often has short hair. Right. Um, But they describe her like in this interview, like, oh, she's like super tough, like she can drink a lot and she can curse like a sailor and she has brass knuckles that she carries around with her. Um, (laughs) But they were like, that's not who this character is, but they really enjoyed uh, working with her was like the general vibe that comes off. It seems like they had a lot of fun making this movie. Um, It does. I was going to ask if you ever watched the so this movie's like spoiler alert not a huge success like it makes less than the budget not by a lot and probably once you factor in like dvd and blu-ray and streaming rights and cable rights it probably does okay um and it seems like melton and dunson like enjoyed talking about it had a really good experience making it and i wanted to contrast that with have you ever listened to the commentary for like 2016's blair witch no, it's really sad because Okay, Wingard and Barrett um, recorded it right after the opening weekend of the movie where it underperformed, and yeah. they're like, "Yeah, little tip to any filmmakers out there, you might not want to record your commentary to the a movie like the weekend after it completely flops and no one." They were like so down, like you just wanted to hug them. Um, I remember like when we were recording our shows on, and I really like them. I think it's a lot of fun. Like it's a roller coaster movie. It's it's we reached out to Simon Barrett. Like it was, like Jerry knew him a little. I think we were Facebook friends and had chatted a bit here because Simon Barrett would post a lot of pictures of his like dog. And he has this really ugly old rescue dog that is so <laughs> ugly. He's adorable. And I love Aww. him and one of the pet him. And I'm like, hey, is there any chance, like, you would come on and talk about the movie? And he was really nice when he was like, there's, like, zero chance I'll ever talk about that movie again. Like, oh. no. And it was, it's a bummer, because, like, the movie itself is like, I really love it. Matter of fact, maybe i got to rewatch it soon, just, because I wish
2: I liked it. And now I feel bad for not liking it, mm-hmm. knowing how sad they are. Yeah.
1: It was interesting, where this was the opposite. They seemed, uh, like really enjoy making this movie. They talked about Mm -hmm. shooting it in thirty five millimeter as opposed to digital and how important that was to them to get like a real film look, get like the lens flares, and they talk about digital looks so good that it can be distracting, that it can show all the flaws, it can kinda strip away a lot of the movie magic. Um, whereas like with thirty five millimeter the pops, the scratches, it -hmm. can not only like look more artistic but it can also kind of like cover up any of the flaws or like kind of cover up any of the um special effects that where the seams might show you can kind of hide them a little easier they gave mm-hmm. like a lot of props to their fx team uh mike regan gary Tooncliffe, and adrian lynn and they talk about, like, Graham Walker designing the warehouse and, like, all of the... And we'll talk about that because that was just... I think the coolest part of it is just kind of wandering through that warehouse, so...
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Um, I've mentioned before, it made its debut at Fantastic Fest to generally positive remarks. Um, despite getting a little bit better reviews than The Collector, it's not a hit. It's a budget of $10 million compared to three. And they pulled just under that out at the box office. Um, Fun note, in 2019, a movie called The Collected was announced with Dunstan and Melton returning. And they actually shot eight days of the movie before production was halted for, there's no reason listed. It just says unknown reasons. Mm -hmm. During the stoppage, a lot of the props were stolen. And because of that, like, filming never picked back up again. There were, like, disagreements behind the scenes between the producers. Um, there seemed to be just, like, general disinterest between the producers and the directing writing team. So the movie was scrapped. And I think in 2021, Melton and Dunstan, like, published kind of, like, some production stills from it. But mm-hmm. it just seems like... N- And I think he's come out, like, as recent as last year and said he still would like to do a third movie. Um, Yeah. I just don't think there's really an appetite for a third movie in the.
2: It is my greatest wish.
1: Really? Like,
2: I I get out of bed every day because we might get the collected.
1: Okay. More so (laughs) than, like, you know, like. You could either have cancer being cured or the collection. Oh, well,
2: come on, Mike. I'll pick the cure for cancer. But if we're doing selfish movie wishes.
1: Begrudgingly pick it?
2: No. Listen. I
1: guess.
2: Rewind. Rewind. Fix it in post. Um, No, I just, I, I really want that movie to exist. And I know all of the reasons why I'm supposed to let the dream die. Mm hmm. And every time, like, if I ever tweet about it, people come out of the woodwork to be like, it's not happening. And I'm like, I know that, but also, can't we manifest it? Like, one time... I tweeted at Marcus Dunstan and asked him if I could, like, crowdfund for the collected, if mm-hmm. I could, like, manage the crowdfunding. He he liked my posts. Sometimes he likes my posts mm-hmm. about the collector. But um, I think he, you know, he's got other things on his mind, right. which is totally reasonable. Right. He probably doesn't need some random chick bugging him on the Internet.
1: You should do but, it anyway and then just give him the money to do <laughs> it and see how it goes.
2: I don't know if that's the best idea with... Uh, you know helping the legitimacy of crowdfunding mm-hmm.
1: um, i do think it's it's humorous now the tagline of this episode will be why the collected is more important than curing cancer i really this think that is that not
2: is. you are putting words in my mouth someone's gonna make a fan edit of this episode where i said that and i never did
1: <laughs> i will um, make that edit
2: I really, yeah, I just really want The Collected to exist. And, you know, maybe one day it will. There's lots of movies we never thought we'd get that we did eventually get. So I just keep wishing.
1: Yeah. And, um, I'm just not sure where it would go. Like, would it have Arkin in it? Would it be a different collector at this point?
2: I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was supposed to be about. But it was going to be called The Collected. So... I could see it being more about like the people trapped in the hotel, or perhaps like backstories of people they saved mm-hmm. from the hotel. Like yeah. when the rescue workers come and save Arkin and Elena, like maybe they find more people. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big. It place. could even be a prequel. That kind of like tells us about how he picks his victim. So I don't know. I feel like it could go a lot of ways that I would like.
1: A prequel. Like the Gimp and Pulp Fiction. All story. right. Okay, enough. <laughs> enough.
2: Listeners, every time Mike brings up the Gimp, write a five-star review.
1: Excellent. Oh my God, we'd have like 200 reviews. Uh-huh. 200 five-star reviews at that point. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what my dream like won't get to see it. Wish it got made movie, would be. Part of me wants to say like Kill Bill Volume Three, which would be, like the Bride taking on like the little girl from the beginning after. Yes. But
2: the, I would like that
1: movie too. But that would probably mean that like the Bride gets killed in that movie, so I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure I would like that so much, but I don't think that's ever happening. I think, if he is to be believed, after. The critic comes out like that's him kind of wrapping up uh, making movies so
2: that's we'll his see. 10 that's movies his
1: 10 movies so yeah his theory that like when you get old you don't make great movies anymore I would present Martin Scorsese as counter evidence to right. that as a gentleman who's in um, George Miller who made Fury Road when he was like 80 and Ridley Scott who made Prometheus when he was in his 70s but He did call Frenzy from Hitchcock a piece of crap. And I'm like, that movie's brilliant. What are you talking about?
2: Quentin Tarantino says a lot of things. He does. And I love his movies. Don't get me wrong. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. But, yes. Yes. You know, and and I hold him partially responsible for Eli Roth. And so I think there's a lot to answer for. There's
1: a lot to answer for there. Yeah. So you're not team Eli Roth? Well, I kind
2: of want to kick him in the shin but I like his movies yeah. for the most part, or I find things to like about them. But like, I know he's a creep and I wish he would keep yeah. his mouth shut. Um,
1: he made a great kids movie. The House with the Clock in the Walls. Oh, I never saw that. We saw two thirds of it. And then my daughter okay. ate way too much popcorn and ended up projectile uh, vomiting everywhere. So we oh, no. left the theater and never we watched. But the first two thirds of it are magical like I'm not kidding like that I remember tweeting at him how much we were enjoying it and then ended the tweet with and then my daughter like projectile (laughs) vomited popcorn everywhere we haven't gone back to that theater since which we have since then but he didn't (laughs) respond to it I thought he would respond to that but he did not yeah all right I kind
2: of want to send him a copy of my book and see what he thinks of my analysis of his movies if he tells me I don't get it
1: you think he will
2: I think he won't respond
1: no but he doesn't you know. seem to take criticism well no no but okay no we'll get to anyway. hostel one day we'll get to hostel and cabin fever in all of those movies one day
2: i if if you say so mike
1: <laughs> so cabin fever is your hellraiser to me where i'm like we're not doing hellraiser you're like yeah we're not doing cabin fever
2: so i i haven't i think i've seen the first two but it goes way it goes on for a while and Does i'm it? afraid of where it goes okay i don't know maybe it's great maybe i love it probably um, not. the reason i'm hesitant about hostile is because the third one is so bad but if we do the first two we got to
1: do the third so we did creep show three yeah we did the two lost boy sequels we did i think critters four is the bad one um, we did Poltergeist three, so
2: oh boy, we've yeah, you guys, you yeah, know,
1: they're not all winners. You know what I mean? No. Like not everything can be. They're not all winners. Um, it's true. So two out of three ain't bad, and we might have some fun. <laughs> Hostel three might be so bad it's fun to talk about.
2: I, it would be kind you of know? fun to rip into it for okay. an hour.
1: All right. Well, speaking of which, let's kind of tear into the collection here. Yes. And you know, I guess like what I want to ask about first is like where this, like where most films that fall under like the subgenre of this would, they're like self-serious to a fault. This yeah. one has a decidedly silly and campy is what I wrote and that doesn't quite feel right, but how would you describe the tone of this movie?
0: Um
2: like i think self-aware is correct um it knows what it's responding to it knows what it's referencing and it's ready to like take it to another level it knows it's a sequel and it knows what that has to mean um i agree it's not quite silly like the purge election year is silly Mm -hmm. The collection is not, but it does have some, like, more over-the-top moments. Um, It's less focused on the torture and more focused on... Like, this movie has a final girl, which gives it a whole different vibe than a movie like the collection where everybody could die. Like, I think, you know, throughout the collection, Elaine is going to make it one way or another. So it gives, there's hope throughout it. And that's something to hold on to that you don't have in the yeah. first one.
1: It transforms Arkin's character a lot. Yes. Because in the first movie, I mean, he's schlubby. He's a down on his out, mm-hmm. kind of like handyman, that his wife owes like a lot of money to a loan shark. You do get the idea that he's pretty tough like that, you know, rewatching The Collector and like that uh, scene of the car with his like his fencer, where they're trying to burn his hand and he just won't give in. Yeah. To what they want. So, yeah, he's, you know, pretty tough. But like at the end of the day, like he's kind of like a low rung criminal.
2: Yeah, he's just a guy. He's you know. just some guy.
1: And in this one, he takes on some kind of like James Bondian flares, like. The, and it didn't hit me how ridiculous it was until the second time I watched it. The sequence where he's like, every time, you know, when I was trapped in the trunk, I counted to 100. And every time uh, I got there, I would make a mark in my arm in order Uh to get, like, A, why would you do that? Like, what would be the point of doing something like that? Because, like, once you get to where you're going, you're going to want to escape and not go back to where you were before.
2: Right. It's like, he had the presence of mind while in this tiny little trunk that you can barely move or breathe in. He's like, if I make it out, someone might ask me how to get back here, and I'd want to tell them how. Mm -hmm. And then, second of all, like, I don't buy that that would work at all. But (laughs) we buy it for the movie. We're like, okay, sure, whatever. They need to have some way of quickly getting back to the trap zone and they don't want to spend time on that so they just go arkin is james Bond, and we're all going to accept that from this point yeah. on
1: that'd be like you need to break my arm again so i can get this launch, oh yeah which is nasty <laughs> really that that really part's really nasty, nasty it's good though um so he definitely is taking on these like to their point of like we want to make it more like an action hero movie it's mm-hmm. like You know, I never question anything that Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or Jean-Claude Van Damme do in a movie. Like, I just accept that this is reality and they can pretty much defy physics and defy the laws of mortal men. Um, It just is funny watching it here. Um, For me, like Christopher McDonald, who's not in the movie a lot, he will always be Shooter McGavin to me in Happy Gilmore. Like, I would never not see him and think, like, even though he's, like, a rich dude, I'm like, oh, Shooter Gavin retires from the tour with all his millions, and I really wanted, like, a ransom call with The Collector and (laughs) Christopher McDonald where McDonald just yells, like, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Like, I thought (laughs) that would have been awesome. And it's so over the top. Like, just like Elena's backstory, like, why... Does this Why exist? is that
2: there? Like, So we see that her mother dies and on the way home from her mother's funeral, her dad's like I'm always going to be there for you. Then they get in a car accident. And so I guess it gives us like some idea that they're all they've got. Mm-hmm. But you also can just say that. And it shows us that his the dad's fixer Locello I think is his name um how dedicated he is to Elena but again that was another thing where I was like well you could just yeah say that and we'll believe it like you don't need to show us this car accident scene and does Elena need a hearing aid because of the car accident
1: I don't know how the hearing aid aside from tipping off like the uh, what is it the Harley Quinn kind of <laughs> character like that there's like a and i'm using this word in terms of like what the movie thinks or the like right a defect like oh she can't win because like something is wrong with her and i don't mean that if you are healing impaired something is wrong with you obviously um right but but like, this that's trapped all that's person
2: there. yes that's what she thinks mm-hmm.
1: yeah um that's why that's there because it doesn't really play into the larger part of the story at all like there's really not a lot they do with it and it seemed to be like very fortunate that like an elite kind of like super squad soldier happened to wander by this random car wreck and pulled the kid out when he did right like that is
2: oh i thought he was already with the family I didn't. is that not the case
1: i didn't get that i could be wrong the impression okay I got, to quote the mighty mighty Boston, the impression that I got was that um, he happened to wander by, saw that, and that's how he got connected to the family. Okay, but I could be wrong with that.
2: Though. It doesn't tell us, so you could be right as well. Um, if so, very lucky.
1: <laughs> and this is the second thing we've talked about, like Lee Turgeson in in like three weeks. Like he was the main villain in The Purge season one. He was Joe okay. the he was uh, Joe the dude driving around and kind of kidnapping everybody. I can't see his name and not think Turd Ferguson, so I'm just going to giggle. <laughs> um, but he just and I thought it was Pat Healy at first. Again, like I'm like, "Oh, Pat Healy's in this." And then looked it up and I'm like, "Oh, it's this guy with It's Lee Turd Ferguson. Ferguson. <laughs> yes, which He's going to hear this and be like, fuck this guy calling me. Yeah, maybe. But hey, thanks
2: for, we love your movie. (laughs) Thanks
1: for listening. Um, So yeah, the tone, like just like the carnival feel, like you look at that giant warehouse, it's pouring rain, and you think like, this is a haunted house. Like this is a Mm -hmm. carnival attraction. It's really neat. Um, Do you feel like the cops could have done a better job searching for, The collector like because it seems to me that this giant abandoned hotel that seems to have power running to it might be a good place to kind of poke your head
2: right yes um it reminds me of when we eventually talk about the saw movies jigsaw has a lot of properties where he Mm -hmm. just does his stuff that seem to go unnoticed like in one of them it's an abandoned zoo and it's like oh I call it Saw City. Like, where is Saw City where there's just a bunch of gnarly abandoned properties that nobody's checking up on then and people are going missing around? And it's not like the collector. I think about on the last podcast on the left, sometimes they will call they will refer to this group of victims as the less dead, like people will be targeted because they won't be missed Mm -hmm. or that the killer thinks they won't be missed, right? And they're considered the last dead. And and that's not, like, a good thing. Like, last cast on the left is saying that as a criticism of... No, I get that. You know what I mean? So, um, the Collector doesn't do that. He just takes whoever. Mm -hmm. Like, he takes Elena and he doesn't know that she has super soldier... Locello, who I kept calling Coachella. Mm -hmm. Like, she has super soldier Coachella looking (laughs) out for her. Like, it seems like he would maybe want to do a little bit more research about who he's taking. Like, he's trying to take the Chase family, a.k.a. the Cott family. They have a lot of money, too.
1: He seems to target, like, one percenters, right?
2: Yeah, seems to be. That
1: first... Or kids at nightclubs. Yeah, which, you know, generally speaking, if you are able to get into, like, a super underground nightclub like you're probably if not super wealthy then at least some sort of like influencer or in the know like connected in some way um yeah he seems to target like is it the opening the cold open of the collector like the family Mm -hmm. that he targets like that's a really nice house like that is not so you know maybe he is his superpower is like getting rid of the rich like one family at a time.
2: I guess. But, like, people are going to... You'd think the police would be looking for these people. And so, I think, to your point, yes, I think someone could have searched harder and found Death Hotel.
1: Yeah. They are looking for them. You get that whole, like, credit sequence mm-hmm. where the cops are like, here's everything we know about him. And it's a lot. and But we just have no idea who he <laughs> is, how he operates, where he operates from. Uh, and they say
2: like 50 people have gone missing which makes sense for how many like collector zombies mm -hmm. we see in the hotel but i'm also like 50 people and can you draw like a circle on a map and maybe pick a place in the middle to start i don't know i'm not a
1: cop no but you could probably do better work better work (laughs) right there than a lot of them yeah (laughs) you're right and in the first movie, he's just like a, he's an exterminator. Like, that's his job. Mm-hmm. He works. So here you get, like, a much different impression about who he actually is, which I found kind of, it's almost like they kind of forgot who the, and they did recast the role between the first yes. movie. And you can definitely tell. Like, he's looks different. Like, his body looks different. The eyes appear a lot different under the contact lenses. So you can definitely tell it's someone He has
2: a different skin color, which I thought was interesting. Like, I know with masked killers, they get recast a lot. Mm. Like, all of the masked slashers often get recast. But I was like, we see his skin color in the first movie, and you didn't pick an actor with the same skin color for the second movie. And I I don't know what was up with that.
1: I don't know either. But it does kick off with a great set piece. Like, this body this is the body count number one the body count in this movie we're talking about how like it's a lighter movie than the first the first yeah. movie's got a relatively low body count um mm-hmm. you know, kind of halfed up to the mom the dad the older daughter the boyfriend the cop yeah, like seven or eight people so a pretty good amount um but this one at least doubles it like from what you see on screen and then you just kind of factor in how many people like at one point there's an overhead shot of the the blades twirling and it does look like there are hundreds of bodies that are yes. kind of on the ground there. Yet, despite that, it's really fun.
2: It is really fun. I think it's because that set piece goes so far beyond the pale that you're just like Okay, well, this is a wild ride. Like, this is basically supernatural-type gore that we can just enjoy. And I want to know, like, I know we shouldn't ask these questions, but how did the collector get that all set up unnoticed? Does he own the nightclub? Maybe look at the nightclub owner if you're searching for the collector. I don't know. Did he do... Does he? Is he, like, the maintenance guy at the club? Because he sets up, like, almost like a piece of a... Farm equipment to just mow these kids down. Thresher,
1: yes. Massive thresher, and I can imagine like you know people are probably going about their business and setting up for the rave. But like if you've ever worked AV before, you know the difference between say an amplifier or club speakers and a thresher. Like there's no yeah audio purpose that this would serve like it's no we're using it for sound dampening no it has metal blades
2: and it's not like like it just it's it's not like it fits the decor like you know what i mean it's
1: just very strange and i like that the collector is just kind of like lurking up on the Mm -hmm. catwalk like he's batman like that's the impression (laughs) That I got like a really murderous Batman. If Batman was finally like, "I'm sick of these cowardly, superstitious criminals, always getting out. It's time to like take the law into my old hands, for once."
2: Maybe the collector is evil, Batman. I mean, he does have access to a lot of
1: places and things. He must be rich. Because, yeah, he must you know, be. He, I mean, you, maybe you
2: know. he robs the people he collects. Maybe
1: because even if you're. Like, even if you're like hiding out in abandoned warehouses, and I imagine he's not paying rent at that point, so yeah. he is saving on like real estate costs, Apparently, that's true. But you have to buy the equipment, and that stuff probably costs a lot of money. But I—it's wanna...
2: funny when you think about him like setting it up,
1: mm-hmm. and getting and so like going excited. to the store,
2: like going down to Fleet Farm and picking out the thresher. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: a comparison shopping. You know, kind of like looking at Amazon ratings on (laughs) thresholds and seeing which one. I I wonder what would have happened. Like, I would love a scene where nobody triggers any of the traps and then he just gets Mm -hmm. really disappointed. Because, like, what would he do in that case? Like, if, if if Elena doesn't wander into that, like, side room and, you know, I've, like, wandered into rooms where there's, like, stuff that looks out of place I don't necessarily mm-hmm. go and mess with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Oh, this doesn't belong to me. It's belongs to somebody else. And sure. This random, tr- even a trunk, like a trunk, would that be that out of place in a nightclub where you're storing a bunch of equipment after? Like, you would just you- think it
2: was, yeah. Music equipment.
1: Yeah. So what if like, she just goes up, oh, no i was looking for the bathroom wrong room and then wanders back out is there no movie is the i don't know she shuts the door and then the credits roll and you're like oh i guess that's it
2: it's like in the first movie there's so much planning and meticulous setup and it's very purposeful and then the second movie the collectors almost like let's just see what happens
1: yeah. going to roll the dice it's yeah. big risk giant reward like the risk I is guess. no one will trigger it but the reward <laughs> is you're getting like a hundred victims, um, right? I love the. I'm a fan of like smooshy, horror or like oh yes. getting people getting squished like grapes.
2: Yeah, that's a really good effect when her BFF's head gets crushed. It's mm-hmm. a little sad too
1: because she was cool. But it is. It looks really good. Yeah, you know it, it's it's a movie where like you don't see them often, but like I like the friends in this movie yeah. like she's really nice she's got elena's back i like her dorky brother who mm-hmm. like you he gets his one moment of glory where he's making out with the girl that elena's ex like you know went to cheat on her with and even he like yes. that look he gives her when he's caught he doesn't even he doesn't do the thing where he's like, Oh no, I can explain like her mouth fell onto my mouth, you know? And right. like, that's what happened. Uh, and she's my sister, you know, um, <laughs> he doesn't even do like that. He just looks at her. is like, eh, you know, what yeah. are you going to do?
2: He's like, well, I'm caught, you, you know? know, the truth now. And then she clacks him yep. and it's awesome. It is
1: like Elena can throw a punch, which is pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And I just think this whole scene kind of lets you know, um, lets you know that like you're in for a different movie, something bigger, a lot more bombastic, a lot more of an action movie. What did you think of Arkin's return?
2: I mean, I loved to see him because at the end of the first movie, I mean, he's our hero of the first movie. And he could have easily died. Like, he could have suffocated in the trunk, even after the stinger we get where we know he's alive at the end of the first movie. So I was so excited to see him back. Um, He's so trusting. Like, he tells Coachella, I'll take you to the house, but I'm not going inside. And, And he's like, yeah, 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 okay. And he's like, all right. I'll go inside, but you have to give me a gun. Like, Arkin yeah. keeps overextending himself and saying he's not going to do the next thing that he then does do. Because um, he feels really bad about Elena, and he doesn't want her to die. Because it's another, like, I have a daughter too mm-hmm. type of thing.
1: Well, he even has to convince Coachella to go rescue his teammate. Like, you're going to let Paz yes. die? It's like, hey, how did you even know her name? Like, through this, you know what I mean? Like, you met right. her- I don't remember people's names that I've met. Like I work with kids, and I'm a little embarrassed to say this. Like I don't know every kid in the middle school's name. Like I can't, can't do. Just it.
2: guess, like Aiden or Kelsey. I don't know what are kids' named these I days. I call
1: everybody Chief.
2: There What's you up, go, Chief.
1: Um, <laughs> so I figure that's like a good, non-offensive. Or Captain. Yeah. Captain is another one I use a lot. Captain's so. fun, yeah. Because Captain can be, you know, non-gendered. And so I call a lot of kids Captain. So if I ever call you, if, if you're a student that's listening to this, <laughs> and I ever call you Captain, it's sad to say, because I, I forgot your name. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, aren't you going to go back for your friend? Um, and he has to shame Coachella into going back and, and rescuing, like, his his squad mate at that point, which he is really nice in that regard. He's a criminal with a heart of gold. Um, It's very true. I want to know how his wife didn't get like, at least her thumbs broken because like, as far as we know, she never paid the loan shark back.
2: Right. Also his wife was recast. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yes. Um, When you watch them back to back, it's a little bit more noticeable. Um, but I was like, okay, um, but yeah, like, he, so, okay, this is the timeline of events. Arkin has this gemstone in his pocket, he gets collected, the collector takes him away for a day or two, maybe, who Mm -hmm. knows, but some amount of time, and then Arkin ends up in the hospital before he goes to rescue Elena. That means his wife never got the gemstone by midnight- Mm -hmm. So, the fact that she is alive and in one piece, while very positive, doesn't quite make sense. Like, wh- who paid off the goons? Do
1: you think the hired goons gave her break because her husband was kidnapped by the collector? Like, maybe. do you get, like, an okay, I'll give you, like, an extra week, but I want, like, two points on the VIG at that point. Like, you have to pay a little extra. Maybe, I mean, could you be. know? Do you Who think that the gemstone was what was in Marcellus Wallace's briefcase yes. in Pulp Fiction? Yes. Okay. Excellent. So again, <laughs> it's the Gimp going back to get.
2: I think it must be. Yeah. I think we just cracked that case wide open. Oh,
1: beautiful! Yes. Absolutely fantastic. I'm glad that cause that was that was all these years eating at me. What's in we've the
2: always wondered, and mm. listeners, you heard it here. Yeah.
1: So, you're right, he does, like, what would the charge against, I mean, I guess he would be under arrest for, like, breaking into the Chase's house to begin with, right? Yeah. Like, be pretty suspicious he was there.
2: I think they, so Arkin escapes from the nightclub, and so maybe the police are like, you might be connected to that, we're Mm -hmm. gonna just hold you and see if you're connected to that
1: got it so he does go to this abandoned hotel by using uh, self-harm as a Mm -hmm. kind of ways guide which is interesting like it's you know GPS via self-harm so don't try that at home kids not recommended not recommended at all Um, but what I really like about like the Argento hotel womp womp is (laughs) do you go to like haunted houses in october like do you go like yeah that's the impression i got from this movie like it felt like a giant haunt it was like i agree every room was like set up a little bit differently there was something unique in all of them there was definitely like a very twisted fun house joker's lair super villain lair aspect to it which again was like oh i'm on board with this movie
2: and there's kind of only one way through it, like there is in a haunted house. Like they go down a hallway and then there's a turn. They open a door, but it's just a trap. So they close the door and they keep going down the hallway. It really does feel mm-hmm. like
1: going through a haunted house. It's a lot of fun. How do you think the collector gets through this house? because like hes secret not... passages because okay. he's not impervious. <laughs> like he's got to sleep at some point. And we've all like woken up and stubbed our toe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you wake up and you go over a tripwire, and the next thing you know, you have, like, a giant bear trap smushing your head.
2: Maybe he has a wing of the hotel where it's just a normal mm-hmm. place to live, like, a normal apartment.
1: Like, MTV Cribs, the collector. I would watch. Super nice. Like, this is my <laughs> flat screen TV. has got a pool. Inches. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He has, like, a vintage, like, Donkey Kong arcade cabinet that he loves. Oh. It's, it's, because he collects he does he collects video he could doesn't have to just be people he could collect baseball cards he could collect right we don't know we have no idea um (laughs) i do like that arkin's plot is basically the plot of the descent too like i
2: haven't seen the descent too i've heard to not watch it it's
1: not good um but it's essentially it is uh she's has to go back into the caves after waking up in the hospital because they think that she's killed everybody so they force her to go back yeah so okay that
2: is very similar yeah, yeah it is like
1: the same same movie at that point um what do we make of elena as a final girl
2: i love elena i think she's great um she doesn't get a lot of like development you know um she's like I'm not going to go out with my boyfriend or like my boyfriend canceled on me. So I'm just going to stay in and study. And her friend is like, no, come party. So she's fun, but she's also responsible. She loves her dad. Uh, You know, she's got all those final girl qualities. I absolutely love the way she breaks out of Mm -hmm. the trunk with she's very um, like inventive using the wire and the hook on her bra to get out of the trunk and like save herself and then she's really proud of that fact that she got out she saves arkin at the end which she didn't have to do she could have saved herself he sat, he sits down and pouts in front of the fire and then she saves him so mm. i think elena's great um i also think that this movie continues its commentary on class and wealth because the only reason anyone comes looking for Elena is because her dad's got money yeah. to hire people, yeah. which doesn't mean she's not worthy of being saved, but it does mean like, if her dad didn't have money, there'd be no movie because yeah. there'd be no saving Elena. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good point. Like it is once again, again, like very wealthy, very rich people that are getting targeted in this movie, and she is the only of only one of the the collected. That you know anything about. Like all of the other characters yep. you run into. Whether it is Abby. Is that like the kind of clowny one? Yep. There's the one who's like tied to the to the table. That gets his like face melted off. and the mask mm-hmm. put on. There's the girl who's like crucified on the wall. You don't know anything about them. Like they exist so- solely to amp up the body count. And like mm-hmm. give you like really cool special effects. But like there's no character there it's just like they might as well just be props yes you mentioned you wanted to know more about abby yeah
2: so abby is the doll she she's like dressed and made up like a little doll and she's kept in a trunk because elena lets her out She seems like she's been there for a while. So the impression I get of Abby is she's been there for a while. She's talked to some other collected. At one point, she kind of panics and she yells, he's testing me again, which means she at least believes he was testing her at some point before. Um, She explains to Elena that the collector did her makeup and it's like really heavy, like bright blue and red, like doll clown little kid makeup i don't know if there's anything sexual it's kind of implied um because she says to elena like he likes me you know and it reminds me a little bit it's not quite this extreme but it reminds me of the poughkeepsie tapes
0: Mm.
2: how there is um there's a character in the poughkeepsie takes poughkeepsie tapes who kind of like i i don't know Kind of reminds me of Stockholm Syndrome, but I don't know if that's an actual thing I should say or not. But she sort of like falls in love with yep. her captor and does ins- what he says for her survival. That is a lot like Abby in the collection because she seems to like just want to get by and survive, but also she's lost her mind a little bit. It's less and-
1: disturbing here. It's far less disturbing yes. here. Yes. Where in the Poughkeepsie tapes, it is played as psychological warfare. Like it's, yes unsettling to watch it there
2: yep we don't get a sense of exactly what abby's been through whereas the poughkeepsie tapes is all about what cheryl dempsey goes through um yeah so i just wonder about abby like is anyone looking for her how long has she been here what exactly has happened to her why does he keep her in a trunk if he really likes her so much like what is she eating i always worry about that in horror films when people are trapped I'm like, who are they getting enough nutrition?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point because to your point, like Arkin has probably only been in the trunk for a couple days, so he's in relatively good shape. But mm-hmm. you know how long, and I think you get the idea that he doesn't necessarily hang on to his victims for too long because he mm, either may yeah. like they introduce some weird stuff in this movie, like oh yeah, yeah. he shoots them full of, like, some sort of, like, hyper street drug, and then from there, uh, turns, like, fries their brains, basically, and mm-hmm. turns them into zombies. Like, it becomes, like, a House of the Dead or zombie movie at some point, where they just all mm-hmm. come running at the team, and they just get mowed down one by one because their brains are fried. Um, but you get the feeling that if you are one of the collected, you have a very... Short and brutal lifespan at that point.
2: Yes, because we've touched on this a couple times, but we've not really described, like, the body part display. Mm -hmm. So we know he's into bugs. We see that he has collected some bugs and some spiders and things and has some diagrams up on the wall of, like, different beetles and things. But one of the last rooms we see in this haunted funhouse are... They're, like, glass cubes, really big ones, full of, like, whatever fluid you suspend, like, I don't know. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, probably formaldehyde. And there's, he's, like, made horrible flesh creations out of body parts. So it'll be, like, a torso with, like, four arms, or it'll be, like that's the one I remember the most but there's other ones like that that stand out and that's eventually the glass that Elena breaks to put out the fire and save Mm Arkan so it's like kind of probably like the timeline of being a collected person is like you're alive for a while he does some experiments on you eventually he'd die and then he like preserves your body parts and makes horrible flesh creations so I want more of that And if those are the, I heard once, I don't know if this is true, but one of the times when I was whining about wanting the third movie, somebody told me that the props that had been stolen were a lot of those, like, flesh creations. And I'm like, well, if those were stolen, let's just start knocking on doors, Mm because those are really recognizable.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, I got this at Target. Oh. Right. Do you have a receipt? No. Um... (laughs) Yeah, and you could probably narrow it down to people that worked on the movie, right? I mean, like, I don't think some rando Maybe. is coming in and, and taking those. Yeah, that, what those are is very kind of like unique and unsettling in mm-hmm. their appearance. Like, they definitely stand out as one of the more grotesque aspects of this movie. Um, I love it. And just like the violence, everything in this movie is just amped up to such a level. I am a sucker, like, Paz gets covered in, like, a razor blade suit, essentially,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. which is, takes the idea of the the fishhook room from the first movie, which is, like, you move around and you get, like, impaled, and it takes it to, like, a whole new disturbing level, because you can just imagine trying to get that thing off. And every time you move it, it just cuts into a different part. And it's like, it's just not fun to think about. Um, Do you have a favorite set piece in this movie?
2: I do. Um, It's the one that kills Abby. Because like...
1: The Iron Maiden type trap?
2: Yes, exactly. It like... She betrays everybody by locking them in a room and screaming for the Collector, because she thinks she can save herself that way. So you're really mad at her in that moment, because she's just betrayed everybody. Then she steps on a trap, and, like, the whole time she's been really aware of where the traps are and what to do, but in that moment I think she's, like, really elevated and probably scared, adrenaline pumping. She steps on a trap, and it comes—it shoots out from the wall— closes and spikes around her, blood, like, spurts out in, like, a beautiful fountain and then, like, goes back against the wall. It's, like, this little claw hand that comes out and grabs her. It surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really gory and it's also, like, pretty tragic because she thought she was doing the right thing to survive and at the end of the day, it's what got her killed. Right. So, yeah, that one always stands out to me. I also, like, The pile of bodies at the bottom of the dumbwaiter.
1: Yeah, I'm a fan of the charnel pit, which is just (laughs) pretty grotesque and awful to think about. Mm -hmm. I really like the misdirection they use with Paz, where Mm -hmm. she's being tortured in one area of the hotel, and you hear the cries out, and you have, like, the one-way mirrors, Mm -hmm. and then you um, you have uh, Coachella basically run through it, and come to find out it is, like, a dummy with a speaker attached to it. Mm-hmm. And everything is a bum. He just has to run. Again, it's just so ridiculous. And over the top, there's, like, it has, like, 80s action kind of written all over it. It does. That slow motion running away from a bunch of exploding, like, crash test dummies and mannequins uh, <laughs> really works for me. is one of my favorite bits here in this movie. But our heroes do get out. I do – oh, I wanted to mention with Elena, like, one thing I do like, you mentioned, like, the ingenuity of getting out with, like, the bra and the clasp. I found, like, the little bits of backstory you do get from her, I found it believable because, like, she struck me as a person who dad might have been a bit of a helicopter parent. And Mm -hmm. she often had to, like, maybe sneak out to go see her friend so you could see her. Yeah being someone that would know how to like jimmy a lock or um yeah think of like little injuna uh smart ways to kind of get out of a jam not that she was macgyver but you know things that she would have to do if she wanted to like break curfew i found that like a, a good little bit to her character
2: that's a really good point yeah i think that's probably true
1: yeah so let's talk the end of this movie we do yeah. get did you know when it started that i thought it was arkin like Three months later, I'm like, oh, great. They're going to, like, shove Arkin back into a box again. And that's how they're going to end this thing.
2: I had no idea. Um, I really had no idea. Like, I thought throughout the movie that Arkin was going to die. I was just going to be like, this is the end of his hero's arc. But then he's alive. And so at that point, I was like, well, the collector should be dead, but I bet he's not. This movie, kind of like how we talked about with the first one, this movie has several points where it could end and it doesn't. So, like, it could have ended with just Elena getting out and Arkin burning up in the fire. It could have ended with both of them being saved. It could have ended when Arkin sees the collector's mask and realizes the collector got away. But where it goes is even better where we follow the collector home and Arkin's waiting for him at his house.
1: Mm -hmm. And again, Arkin different from the first movie he, he's not just this like kind of low rent criminal he's like i tracked down every ectomologist between here and a 200 mile radius and there was 14 of them and you're number 12 it's like that is some dedication
0: mm-hmm. right there
1: like that is a guy that is like committed to the bit uh at that point point. and you get arkin throwing the collector in the box and slamming it <laughs> shut and yes Then you get your kind of, like, Animal House credits, you know, at the end where it, like, goes back. It shows all the cast. um, And it just shows, like, different points of the movie over New Metal. It's a really weird choice, I think, for, like, the closing credits.
2: It is a weird choice. It shows you a bunch of deaths again. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, just in case you missed it, here you go.
2: Right. Yeah. I'm not... I don't know why, but maybe it's meant to be celebratory, but also, like, those are good characters that died, Mm -hmm. so I don't know.
1: But at 82 minutes, with (laughs) credits, it comes and goes like a breeze. Like, it does not waste any time. Listeners know, like, you get in under 90 minutes, and I love you. You come in under 85 minutes, and you have to be really terrible for me to trash you as a movie. (laughs) Like, that's just perfect. That's... Nice, concise storytelling right there. So any final thoughts?
2: Um, there's a lot. Like, there's more spiders in this one than there were in the mm-hmm. last one. So if you need a spider content warning, I would put that on this one. Okay. Um, And I wanted to mention, too, like, there's no homophobic slur this time, yep. which is good. But there is a really awkward scene where it's a similar scene Arkin is trying to distract the collector back to him. And it seems like they're going, like you could almost hear the background conversation of, oh, we can't say that slur again. We right. know better now. What should we say instead? So Arkin calls the collector a pussy a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. A lot. Really of times. awkwardly. It's like, like the
1: only word in his vocabulary.
2: It's very cringy, that scene. Um, But I was like, oh, that's growth.
1: <laughs> yes, I guess so um, i guess And this time around the collector doesn't give in he's just like eh, right. whatever you're in a cage and i'm not so yeah good for them both i guess they both of I them guess. kind of grow in their own unique ways <laughs> yeah um all right well i think that is our talk on the collection of fun again both of these movies are on amazon prime mm-hmm. um I would recommend this one over the collector, Ari. I think you would do the reverse of that. Yeah, it
2: it depends on who's asking. I think the collection is probably going to be liked by more people, Mm -hmm. but the collector has a special spot in my heart.
1: What would your pitch for the collected be? Like, if you were given the reins, you were like, "We're going to start from scratch. We need a third movie." What would you pitch?
2: I am not a storyteller i i don't know
1: did not mean to I put guess, you on the spot there
2: no no that's okay i mean i guess the thing i'd want to see are the stories about the people who've been collected okay. mm-hmm. so and if the collector died like if arkin did kill him i guess i'd want closure on that too mm-hmm.
1: okay yeah i don't know where i would go with it i'm good with two movies
2: if another one comes out though like you'll find us covering it because we we have to
1: i hope we get a third one just because you want it so badly oh thank you i want you to get things that you want so
2: thank you you appreciate that let's all let's all think hard about this movie and maybe it'll come to fruition i
1: have no juice aside from that you know i have no other way of making it happen (laughs) but (laughs) that's okay okay so ari where can our listeners find you on the interwebs. What's going on with Ghoul's and what else are you contributing to right now?
2: Yeah. So, in the month of May, Ghoul's magazine we're doing nature horror. So, this month we are going to have a bunch of like articles and editorials and reviews and some podcast episodes about nature horror. And if you're asking yourself what's nature horror, to that I would say go to ghoulsmagazine.com and find out. Um I will be doing a podcast episode on The Bay, which is a really fun found footage movie. Mm -hmm. So that'll be coming out later this month. And you can find Ghouls Magazine on all the socials at Ghouls Magazine. And you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at Ari underscore Hellraiser. And get all my nonsense hot takes. Excellent.
1: Well, you can find us over at podandthependulum.com. That is where all of our... Uh, you can really find us over at any podcast feed, but the uh, site is laid out where it's easy to find any episode. It's really well laid out. Um, go back and go through our archives and hear our thoughts on, like, 20-something franchises at this point. Mm-hmm. You can follow us socially at over on Twitter, at Pod and Pendulum. Uh, and you can follow me at Mike underscore Snoonian over on Twitter, and over on instagram at mike chump change over on letterbox where as of i think at some point today i'll be notching my 100th movie of the year uh nice. i've been on i i've just like been you know some would say nice and then part of me is like it is only the end of april what else could i be doing with my time
0: nah. um,
1: but i've like been really just kind of like hunkering down and watching a bunch of movies. Um what else do we have coming up with the show? Oh, we got a really nice if if you're listening, please make sure that you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast so you always get our new episodes. Please make sure that you rate us 5 stars and review us. And we just got like a really nice 5-star review earlier this week which i'm gonna go ahead and read to you the audience because it's kind of like and i'll say on one hand like the reviews like when you leave a five-star review it does help new listeners find us like it just helps with the algorithm it puts us in line like if you like this kind of show here is something else that you might like and then we see new peepers find us which is great so we got this from uh lil's madhouse left this on this previous Wednesday Mike and his co-hosts are so fun to listen to they go deep into each movie and franchise I've watched so many new movies just so I can listen to the podcast now I know now I know I love the Phantasm franchise thanks guys (laughs) and we appreciate that I mean above from people finding us because of that it's just nice to hear that people like what we do
2: yeah thank you so much for that that's a lovely review that
1: Um, we really do appreciate that a lot. So here's what we have coming up. Uh, We have 2023 is now planned, which is weird, which is very (laughs) weird. It is planned. It's good. It's all good stuff. So the next movie we're going to cover, we're going to be doing Evil Dead Rise. It's been a couple weeks since it's come out when that episode will drop. So it's given people a chance to see it. I'm always... Mm -hmm. Leery of doing a new movie like the first weekend it drops, just because, like, not everybody gets a chance to see it. And it's kind of, you don't really get to sit with a movie. It's hard to see a movie once and then kind of talk about it for a couple hours.
2: I think so. So, yeah,
1: I will be catching it at least one more time. We have a special guest for that episode as well. Um, I think our show is going to be a little bit more positive. Than some others I've listened to recently. I am kind of surprised with the reaction I'm hearing on some of the shows I follow that are middling it best on Evil Dead Rise. I found it a lot of fun. More fun than I Me expected. Too. Um, after that and the rest of May, we'll be covering uh, the trilogy of films, the Hell House movies. Hell House LLC. Yes. Which are super fun found footage movies, the first and third one in particular. So mm-hmm. we'll be we going to the Abaddon Hotel. All of those movies are streaming right now on Screambox. So if you haven't subscribed to them yet, go ahead and, and go over there. I think they might even have a deal where it's like a buck for the first month or like two bucks for the first month. But nice. it's super cheap anyway. Like it's less than five bucks a month if you average everything out. So go check they the have like... out there.
2: You can sign up for a whole year for twenty six dollars. Yeah, that's insane. So I did that.
1: Yeah, I think I think I yeah. did the a dollar a month for like two or three months, and now I just have to like do the I do Shutter on a yearly basis because yeah, I know that I'm gonna watch it. So, mm-hmm. and I would say like Screenbox is not it's definitely not as deep as Shutter is. Like Shutter is massive, and Shutter is like acquiring a lot of things, but. There's a lot of unique things on Screenbox. There's a lot of yes. like great horror documentaries. I would recommend it. And again, for the price of like a couple pizzas, you can get a few hundred movies for over a year. So including Terrifier 2. Yeah, I know. Just right I just
2: there. rewatched Terrifier 2 constantly. Yep. So that's what really? I'm getting out of my Screenbox. I love Terrifier 2. It's a,
1: okay. So do we do have to cover those movies at some point but i think we have to wait till the third one is announced because you know i that's I think
2: so yeah i think let's wait for the third yeah. one Excellent. but then yes
1: after hell house uh in june we are going to change tactics a little bit we're not going to be covering a franchise but we're going to do john carpenter june so we yes. have like four of his solo films lined up that we're going to be discussing uh July we're gonna kick off the summer with uh Jaws. So that'll be yes. the next big franchise. I am already doing notes. I think the first movie will be a multi parter mm-hmm. because I like to talk about the background of movies and yeah, strap in for that. And then our what's what are we doing after Jaws?
0: Oh
2: after Jaws, we're just doing a the greatest franchise Of the last 20 ish years, if not ever, we're finally gonna do my favorite Saw. The most money makingest movie franchise of all time. Is it? Yes. For horror. If you count all of the, like, all of the Saw property stuff bringing in money, like the Saw Roller Coaster. Did you know there's a Saw Roller Coaster? No. It's in London. I'm pretty sure it's in the UK. Okay. Yeah. So last I checked, what does maybe the Star Rollercoaster do? I don't know because I've never got to do it. Okay. I really want to though. I feel like it's my birthright. Um, I
1: feel like we need to launch the Patreon again and use the funds to have like a group podcast outing where we go to like an amusement park for like a yes. weekend. That's what we I should. agree do
2: i think that's a good use of patreon funds
1: um or we do like universal monster night
2: yeah that would be cool
1: that would be very cool okay sorry so we're gonna do saw okay we're doing saw so i am the skeptic um but we'll have 10 movies that'll take us all the way through the release of saw x this summer um or this fall for halloween season so that is going to carry us all the way through Halloween. I forget what we're doing in November in December, but I know we – I think we're doing the thing in December. Um, but we got some really – oh, what the hell are we doing? We're doing something that Brian wanted.
2: Are we doing the, cube?
1: No, we're doing the universal Frankens, the Karloff Frankensteins.
2: That's right. That's, that's right. Okay. Frankenstein. So we
1: have a lot of stuff planned out. I just I can't even remember it at this point. Yeah,
2: we're too organized. We outsmarted ourselves. I am not
1: a planner, so.
2: Well, you are now.
1: Oh, unfortunately. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> listeners. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next week with Evil Dead Rise. Until then, don't get collected. Do not don't get thrown into a <laughs> If you do get collected, at least have your phone with you so you can download our new episodes. They will keep you company.
2: Yep. And we're out. Awesome.